to, uh, to share with you. There's a message that God's been putting on my heart. Massive, massive um, um, message that I feel is amazing in this season. And so looking forward to sharing this with you. Uh, yes, I am across the border, only just across the border. We live in Kingscliff. Um, unfortunately, just last week, I had to transfer my driver's license and my car rego to New South Wales. So look, I still consider myself a Queenslander, but it was a very sad day for me to have to pull those Queensland plates off and hand in my Queensland driver's license. So, um, so please pray for me as I am in enemy territory. <laughs> <laughs> and and stuck here for the foreseeable future but uh guys um as like what i would absolutely love for you to do is because we're in the room i love a lot of interaction and obviously i can't see you i can just see myself and see dr rod and a little bit of tomorrow hi tomorrow um <laughs> uh you got that chat there let's use that chat can i get everyone to chuck in that chat to say hi um, and as I'm saying something, if something jumps out at you, can you please um, just repeat what I say in there or just go, that was a really good point or something like that. Like, at, because what it does is one, it gives me some feedback that like that what I'm saying is hitting. Um, it also gives me some feedback of what is the important things that did work. Um, also, when we actually type out the things that was like that really, that really resonated with me, when we write that down, it kind of embeds it into our uh, into our memory uh, because we're taking the time to write it. So, I mean, normally if you're if you're in church, you know, like you get your notepad out or your phone out to take notes and stuff. But I encourage you still take notes. But if you could give me some feedback in the chat as well. Hi, Christy. Hi, David Ains. Hi, Emma. Hi, Helen. Uh, Hammy. Michelle. Great, great. Uh, thank you very much for that. The squirrels. Um, that's awesome. So thank you very much for that. I'm going to share my screen now. So let's see. Um, so for now, you're just going to see a blank screen. Now, uh, normally, normally when I share, I share a lot of stories and I do a lot of talking and not so much reading of the Bible. I usually grab a good scripture or two and then, and then build from that. And, um, but there's, there's been something that God, God's been speaking in my heart. And as I've been spending the time over the last, you know, probably a couple of weeks, if not months, preparing for this message, he's just been leading me to scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. That is, and actually, what I'm going to be sharing with you today is only a very small portion of the scripture that he actually revealed to me. Um, so I am actually, I'm, I'm normally not a very big death by, death by PowerPoint sort of person, um, but uh, there are going to be a lot of slides today only because I'm going to be using a lot of, uh, a lot of scriptures that, uh, that I believe are really going to speak to you during this season. Now, what is this season? We, we are, I really, I'm not one to be negative. I don't like harping on the negative but I'm also a realist. I'm also well aware that this season is a tough season. That, I mean, I know there's some people and like I'm speaking, you know, we coach businesses from all across Australia and, and we got some clients that are actually doing really well in, in this season, but there's a lot that are suffering. And so I'm well aware that we're in the middle of a, a very tough time. And so what I want to talk to you about today is 
faith plus. And, and because during this season, I'm sure you've heard a multitude of messages about having faith in God and faith that God's going to move and, and believe in God and, and just, just rest and have peace and don't worry and, and, and don't have anxiety. And there's all these things that come out, but I believe that there's something more that we need to be doing that adds to our faith. And that's the reason why I've called it faith plus because it's, it's, yes, we need to have faith plus what else do we do? And so I'm going to give you some really practical strategies today on what we actually need to do to, uh, hang on, let me, uh, I'm just getting, so I can try to see your comments as well. Um, okay. So, So what do we do when we have faith? We're called to have faith, but there's a, a plus element. Well, let me share a story with you. And you probably heard of this story. And it comes from John 2. So I'm going to reading from the screen. I, I want to read from here, but I've only got some scriptures up on the, up on the screen as opposed to um, other ones that are, that, are, um, that are not there. So I, I, I would love to read from the Bible, but... Let's just read it. Uh, I'm going to try to bounce between here and make sure I keep the slides up, okay? So you would have remembered this story. So John 2, starting from verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Now, I know a lot of people will talk about there. There's like, you know, he's like, woman, what are you doing? Like, it was actually, it actually wasn't a condescending um, statement that Jesus said there. No, he wasn't, wasn't talking back to, with his mother. It was actually, a, the, the way it's been interpreted was, was he was actually giving her respect and honor, you know. Um, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used for Jew by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now they say that's about 75 to 112 or something like that litres. So let's call it roughly 100 litres, right? And there were six of them. So we're talking about 600 litres uh, of, um, of water jars that were sitting there. Jesus said to the servants, fill the, the jars with water. So they filled 600 litres uh, to the brim. They told, they, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from though the servants who had drawn it knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're probably thinking, hold on a second, Craig. Why, 
you started talking about having faith and, and, and all, all this sort of stuff, but what, what has that got to do with a party that ran out of booze, right? Trust me, we're going to get to it, right? We, we're going we're to get to talking about how, what we're using this story of how we can have faith. Before we do that, let me, let me go back. Let me go back to it probably almost two months ago, and it seems like forever ago before all of this, all this crisis happened. And, and there was a time that I faced a crisis and the crisis, I actually just, now I'm a stressor, right? I'm a big, big stressor. And so normally things cause me a lot of stress and anxiety, but I faced this crisis and I had so much faith in this moment that it brought a revelation of that plus. I have faith, but what's that plus? What's that plus that I need to do in this season? So going back a couple of months ago, before all of this craziness started, and it was only a blip on the radar in China. So we run a national tour across the country, as, as uh, Dr. Rod said, he saw me down in Sydney and... Uh, and Michelle saw me in Brisbane. And we're running, we're running these national tours. We've got like 1,200 people across you know, five cities. And it's like one week after another. It's just a massive, crazy time. We're launching out with our first and biggest event. We had like 600 people coming to our event in Brisbane. And that was our first one. It was our biggest one. And we started running the event. Now, normally my wife, Noe, she, um, she normally helps me with the admin side of the event and, and running sort of rego desk and all that sort of stuff. And while I run the rest of the event. Now, my wife is pregnant at the moment, so she, we're slowly rolling back her responsibilities uh, because she has one responsibility at the moment, that is to grow our son, right? And so we were going into this event and I've, I've now got an, a new assistant that's working with us. And, and so um, Noe was training her how to do all the admin stuff. Now, so we had, had the first day, you know, obviously they're, they're intense days, running events, so much happening. This things here and there and everywhere. And knowing during the day, kept, you know what it's like when you're trying to, when you're trying to run something or you're trying to hold back, but you normally do that and, and it's hard to, hard to stop jumping in and, 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 and doing whatever it was. Well, that was knowing we constantly throughout the whole day kept it on telling her, sit down, just tell us what you need, just sit down, tell us what you need. But she just kept pushing and you know, she just loves doing the events. Come to the end of that day and she started getting really bad abdominal pains. Now, we, yeah, we're on our way home from the event to the, to the hotel and she starts complaining about these, these being uncomfortable and having really bad pains. And we sort of figured, you know, she's, she was, what was she? She was probably about 18 weeks pregnant at that stage, 18, 19 weeks pregnant. And they said it's, it's pretty common because that's, that's the stage where it's, Stomach's stretching a lot, so all your abdominal muscles are stretching and she'd had a big day, so we just figured maybe she pulled a muscle or something like that. So we tried to go to bed and she's tossing and turning all night long. We're not able to sleep. She's in pain. We're speaking to the midwife. We're back and forwards. Eventually, like wee hours of the morning, uh, the midwife says, well, take her to hospital. So we took her to hospital, bounced around from department to department, test after test after test, and... Um, they eventually released her, gave her some medicine and, and then released her and said, just rest. 
And they released her just in time for me to be able to get to the event. And it was like at 7.30 in the morning for me to get to the event and start running it again. She went back to the hotel room and rested for the day. Um, she came back and forth a little bit just to, just to support us at the event. Um, but we, we ran the event that day. And, and then when we packed down, we went home or went, went, went from, the, uh, from the venue to the hotel and literally on the way, all the pain returned. And she was like, in a lot of pain, so we were like, let's, let's just take you back to the hospital. So we went to the hospital, um, spent probably 24 hours, 24 hours bouncing around from department to department, being told, yes, it's okay, no, it's not. Like one test says this and like nothing's showing, then all of a sudden a doctor's giving one opinion, another doctor's giving another opinion. And almost 24 hours later, we had the doctors come in and they said, look, we've done all the tests. It, it seems like there's, there's not really much there that we can, um, that we can, uh, that we can do other than just wait. Um, you can either wait or you can go home. Now we're up in Brisbane at this stage and we've been running an event, been up there since Wednesday, hadn't been home yet. And so we've, we've been, you know, been in hospital for all, without the event, we've been in hospital for pretty much 48 hours. And so we're like, all right, let's, let's just go home. Let's get comfortable, go home. And we've got the Hope, Hope Hospital just up the road from us if, if we need anything. Probably about 20 to 30 seconds later after that, that doctor left, a surgeon came in and said, your wife is going to be the next person in surgery. But like, we were like, hang on a second. We're just about to be released. Now she's been rushed to, rushed to surgery. And so they rushed her off to surgery and like we asked our questions with like what's happening and this is that and it, it, um, it turned out that, uh, that they suspected um, appendicitis and there was a bigger risk to the baby of, of leaving it than having, having surgery. So we asked all the right questions, spoke to the OB, spoke to our midwife and, and got all the advice and went, yeah, okay, so you know, surgery it is. When she was in surgery, I then went out for a wander. Now I hadn't eaten in pretty much 24 hours other than just some snack stuff that I'd had around the hospital. And so I went out into South Bank to have some, um, have some dinner. And just walking around South Bank, I went and grabbed myself some dinner. I went down and sat by the river, looking across Brisbane River onto the city. And I was just really enjoying it. And, and the brevity, the weight of that whole situation just hit me. And I realized that, hold on a second, my wife and my unborn child are in surgery right now. Why is it that I'm not worried? Why is it that I'm not stressed? I normally have a lot of stress and anxiety about things. And why is it? No, I started thinking to myself, do I not care? Like, is, is it, is it that fact, the fact that I just don't care about my wife and my baby and it's not important to me? And so I started like just having a chat with God and just going like, God, well, what is this? Do I not care? Do I not love my wife? Like, and he revealed to me, he goes, no, you've got the level of faith that I've been trying to encourage you with. I've, you, you've got that, you've got that God faith, that complete faith. And I realized that in this moment, I had complete faith in the fact that God was in control. I had complete faith in the fact that God was moving. I had complete faith that I had done my part and God was doing his part. And what I, what I thought to myself is, hang on a second, why can't I have that level of faith with a potential life-threatening situation and not 
have that same level of faith with God in my business, like worrying about a marketing campaign or a coaching session I just had or, or an event that we're running. Why is it that I, I can trust him with a life threatening situation and not with the little things. And so I then spent this time over the coming months of, of just getting into the word, studying this, researching and figuring out how can I have that level of faith? How can I, can I live with that level of faith with my everyday things? And so once again, I'm facing a crisis and I have complete faith. What was it that I did? I'll go back to this, uh, the story of, uh, of Jesus turning water into wine. You're probably thinking, well, hold on a second. It's just a party. Yeah, but it was a bit of a crisis, right? Like, what you don't understand is they were three days into what is normally either a five to seven day party, right? Or wedding. Not even halfway through and they've already run out of drink. Now, you imagine a party that's halfway through that's run out of alcohol, like, you know, that's a crisis, right? But in the Jewish culture, that, that brought so much shame, so much shame to those people that, um, that it, was, it was something that would have been a crisis. And I believe reading through this scripture that we can learn from three different people on how we can act. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying this is the meaning of, the, of, of this message. There's, there's millions of different meanings about, of this miracle that Jesus did. This is, the miracle, this is the reason that I believe, the revelation that I believe that God has given to us of how we face a crisis and still have faith in the moment. And so for me, I have three main things. Whenever I, whenever I look at something, so I have, I have a life verse. My life verse is Hebrews 4.12, which is the word of the Lord is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides any soul and spirit, even cutting through the bone and marrow, right? And so I, the way God's revealed that to me is you've got the soul, which is, you know, the, the Greek word was actually psyche or the thoughts, our mind our spirit and bones and marrow, which is our body. So I always interpret verses of what does this have to do for my thinking? What does this have to do for my spirit? And what does this have to do for my physical body? So today I want to take you through those three things, the, what we, how we should think, how, like how our mind, our, our, like our thoughts, our spirit and our body. So let me take you through those. And I actually want to start out with the spirit side. So I believe in here, this is a prayer life. This is, this is how we should pray in the face of a crisis. Now, I'm going to position this by saying that, that there are many different types of prayers. And I'm not saying that this is the only type of prayer you should pray. There are endless types of prayers you should pray. And they, they, you know, there, there are different prayers for different seasons and I believe that the revelation of the interpretation from this scripture is how we actually pray with in this situation when we're facing a crisis. And I believe Jesus' mother, Mother Mary, was a perfect example of how we should pray. Let's read this verse in John 2, verse 3. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, 
They have no more wine. When the wine was gone, the problem, the crisis that we're facing, Mary said to Jesus, this is the problem. She didn't go on to all the, like she didn't go crazy with all that. She just said, Jesus, this is the problem. Let me show you a contrast. In Mark four, you remember when the, the disciples are on the boat and they're and they're all they're all they're all being tossed around everywhere and and uh, and and, and they, they wake Jesus up. Now look, they're facing a crisis too, and look how they respond compared to Mary, right? Jesus was in the storm, sleeping on a cushion, or he was in the stern, sleeping in a cushion. The Jesus, uh, uh, the disciples uh, woke him uh, and said to him. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, I'm hazarding a guess. Are you praying that sort of prayer? God, don't you care about my finances? God, don't you care that I don't have, um, don't have money? God, don't you care about my health? God, don't you care about my business? God, don't you care about my job? God, don't like. I'm sure that in the face of a crisis, we've prayed a prayer like that. It's probably not the best because remember how, how Jesus then responded to them. It's like, why didn't you have faith? Like, why are you coming to me complaining about the problem and making it worse? Like, like they're in the middle of a storm. They're like, don't you care if we drown? Like what a, what a drama queen. Right. And, but we look as comparison of how we should pray with Jesus' mother just going, Jesus, this is the problem. You know, when Noe was in surgery, how I was praying was, God, my wife's in surgery. I pray that you're in there too. I pray that you're with the doctors, you're with the surgeons. And that was it. I didn't go on like, oh no, hope she doesn't die and hope my baby doesn't die. I'm like, like, God, this is the situation. My wife and my unborn child are in surgery. You move. And so when we, when we pray, we should really be focusing on praying and just telling God this. I mean, now, yes, we can pray for what we want because Jesus says, ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. But there are times when we're praying for an outcome and sometimes God's going, I don't want to give you that outcome because I've got something else. I've got something better for you. And so, sorry, I just thought of another story, but I'm not going to share it because of time, time-wise, but uh, that's why I hold, hold it for a minute. I'm like, do I have time to tell that story? No, I just encourage you, whatever challenge you're facing right now, just tell God your problem. He wants to hear your problem and just tell him to move because that is how we should pray, having, having a faith prayer. So let me actually give you three tips because you guys know I am super practical. So let me give you three tips on how to pray. Now, first of all, we need to pray with authority because the way that, Mother Mary was praying at that time was 
or praying or speaking to God, because that's all prayer is, right? It's speaking to Jesus. And she just said, Jesus, right? She, she, she approached him with boldness, right? And so in Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us approach, the, uh, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Because he's going to give us what we need. He's going to give us help in the time of need. He doesn't say he's going to give us what we want. He says he's going to give us what we need, right? And so that's why sometimes we can just enter boldly and just go, God, I need you to move in this situation. We have that authority. He has given you that authority. It's not just up to me. It's not up to a pastor. It's not up for the intercessors. It's not just for the, for the super holy people. Every one of us has the authority to speak directly to God because Jesus, Jesus covers us. His sacrifice on that cross. That's why back in the old days, when when you know in the um, you know the Israelites, they had to go to the temple and they weren't allowed into the holy holy areas because only the super holy person was allowed in there. But when Jesus died on the cross, he tore that curtain because he covered us with his righteousness. So we have the authority to speak directly to God. So first of all, when to have a prayer of faith, I want you to pray with the authority that's been given to you. The second thing is speak to the situation. We need to speak directly to the situation because Mary turned around to the servants and said, servants do what he says. And that was it, right? You have the authority to speak to those demons, to speak to those devils, to speak to whoever it is. And you go, you listen to Jesus, Jesus is going to get you out of there. You can speak to your finances and say, finances, you belong to God. Finances, you are the one that is going to listen and be obedient to what my Father in heaven says for you to do. Jesus, move on my finances. So we don't necessarily have to pray all these big outcomes. Just pray to the situation. Allow God to move in that situation. Speak directly to that situation. And the third is actually something that is actually quite interesting. That during this, this interaction... Mary comes to Jesus and she says, there's a situation, I want you to do something. And Jesus actually refuses. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Yeah, my, my hour has not yet come. And with all of this, it actually, we can sometimes think, hold on a second, but maybe it's not God's will. Well, Jesus didn't want to move him. He's like, my hour has not come yet. But if we go to God with prayers of compassion for others, we can see him move in situations where he didn't intend on moving before. And right now I'm talking about, let, let, me, let, me, show you, let me show you another situation where that happened. In Amos 7, right? Amos 7. This is what the sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested and just as, the, just as the late crops were coming up, when they had stripped the land clean, 
I cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is too small. So the Lord relented, this will not happen. And if you actually read through the rest of that verse, like there's actually repeat of that, that, that chapter, there's repeated situations and there's times like Dr. Rod actually said in, um, mentioned about Lot in uh, communion this morning. Remember when God was going to smite Sodom and, and Abram actually helped you know, soften God's heart, so to speak, and, and convinced him to let Lot live. And although we went through, he was trying to save the city. And so we can, we can move God through our compassion for others. So in this situation, we're in a pandemic. The whole world needs prayer right now. How about when we pray, we don't pray selfish prayers. Now, like I said before, get God to move in your situation. Believe that he's going to move in your situation. But what if we started praying for everyone else in our street, for everyone else in our building, for everyone else in our business, for all of our clients, for all of our customers, for all of our team, for, for all, all of the people around us, for, for our city, for our nation. Because when we pray with compassion for others and truly caring about them, we can move God. God's heart will align with our hearts because we have so much compassion for others that we can have the authority to see God move. And so that's what I encourage you to do. Make sure that when you, when you get into your prayer time, let's not pray prayers of worry and stress and anxiety, but let's pray prayers of faith. Let's just speak to the situation, speak with authority, have compassion for others. And just speak directly to Jesus and say, this is the situation. Move. So the next part, our spiritual, that's, that's how we should pray. Our body is what we should do. Now, what we should do is important because a lot of, a lot of people think that during this time, this is the reason why I've called this message Faith Plus, because we need to have the faith but there's stuff we need to do. There's no point in us just sitting down. Now, there's times for prayer and fasting. There's times for locking ourselves in the prayer closet. There's times for shutting ourselves in, getting out to nature and spending days out there or whatever, and just praying and connecting with God. There are times for that. I'm not denying that. But in situations like this, quite often it's what we do that will actually cause our faith or add to our faith and strengthen our faith. You know, in James 2, it says, faith without action is dead. So if you've got faith but aren't doing something, aren't actioning it, then that faith is dead. That faith is useless. It's empty. And so that's why it's really important that we do. Now, remember, I put this scripture in there as well, Proverbs 13, 4. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are forever satisfied. But how cool is that? That, that right now you may be stressed and worried and that means your appetite's not filled. That, that's, that's what stress and worry does because there's something missing. But if you're diligent, if you're keeping yourself busy, then you'll feel satisfied in that moment. That you will feel strengthened, that your faith, 
would feel strong. So Jesus, Jesus' mother said to the servants, fill the jars of water. So they filled them to the brim. When we This, if, if the servants didn't go and fill them. Now, here's the thing. Remember me telling you before, it was 100 plus litres. Let, let's call it 100 litres per jar. It was roughly six to 700 litres. Let, let's, let's call it 600 litres. Could you imagine how long it would have taken them? I mean, you can only really carry like 10 litres at a time, maybe 20 litres at a time. Could you imagine how long it would have taken them to fill up? Because it wasn't like they just went to the tap they would have had to go all the way down to the river to fill the water up and then bring it back. Could you imagine carrying 600 plus litres back and forwards, back and forwards? Do you think at any time they thought to themselves, this is stupid, we've run out of wine, why are we getting water? There's plenty of situations that sometimes we just need to do. We do need to be doing things, right? Now, I actually feel like the doing works some way in just keeping ourselves busy, right? Um, I believe that the doing, like I face crises and, and really stressful times, like in heaps of times in my life. And what I found is that when I kept myself busy and the things that I did, the answer didn't always come from what I was doing. But the answer always came in the end. But like, I was working and then I got the result. Not always did the result come from my work, but what I found is that work, I believe, well, number one, just kept me busy and just kept my hands busy, just, just gave me something to focus on. All right, this is what I do. We've run out of wine. What do I do? I just need to go and get water. That's all I need to focus on. I just need to fill up water. I just need to call clients. I just need to, in this later season, our business has been turned on its head because we're an events-based business. And so I've spent my time just ringing clients and ringing potential clients all day, every day. Just ring, ring, ring. Just keeping myself busy. I'm creating online programs. We've launched a, launched a virtual program now. And, and we, but I just did the work. I didn't sit worrying. I didn't sit praying, hoping that God would, God would bring the answer to me. I did the work. During my time of, um, of my wife being in hospital, during that time, I went, I went and ate because I hadn't ate. There was something for me to do. After I did that, I spent a little bit of time with God and relaxed, but I went back to the hotel got my laptop out, started doing all the review stuff that I have to do for the event, started planning for the next event. Just I was just doing because there was nothing more for me to do. Us sitting there just stressing about it won't change it. So just do. Let's find things to do because in Genesis 2, we've got to remember that God gave us the gift of work. He did not want us just to sit around the garden and enjoy it. He said, I want you to work so that then you can keep yourself busy. You won't get into trouble. You won't, you know, although they, they end up doing things, maybe they did get into trouble. Maybe it was because they didn't do enough of the work. But we just need to keep ourselves busy 
and do the right things. So during this season, what is it that you're doing? During this time, what is it that you're doing? What are you doing to, to keep yourself active? To, yes, we're in, we're in self-isolation and we're locked in our houses and we can't move and everything, but what are you doing? Are you just sitting down watching Netflix and watching dramas that are filling your head with negative things and, and, and just increasing the worry? Or are you working on the next project you want to launch? If you're home without work, what about upskilling yourself? There's plenty of online programs. What is it that you're doing? What is it? Are you writing a book? Is it something that God said for you to do in the past and you just haven't had the time for? Well, now, now's a time to move. Now's a time to do. You know what? It's not just about doing things randomly. God cares about the strategy. And the strategy is of the fact that God loves strategy. He loves detail. I mean, look, he gave no other designs for the ark down to the, down to the last nail. He gave um, Moses the, the design for the temple and what the priests would wear right down to the length of the, of the tassels and, and what color everything was going to be. He even gave the disciples the instructions to stay in the upper room. And the reason why I mention that is because I did want to emphasize that there are some times that God tells us to wait. But they didn't just sit around stressing themselves and worrying. What do they do? They sat around and prayed. They prayed for that entire time. They stayed in the upper room, kept their faith by praying. And I'm sure they spent a lot of time worshiping and everything like that. So that's what we do with our spirit that's what we do with our body now what do we do with our mind which is what we think right and the, the person who i believe represents this most in this story is the bridegroom right so let, let me get let me get this open for you uh, and the master of the banquet banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who were drew, uh, the, drew the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best till last. Nowhere in this verse does it say that the bridegroom who had the most to lose he, had the, he was the one that was going to be shamed. His family was going to be shamed. He's run out of wine in the middle of, of before we've even reached halfway of the party. There was nothing in there that said there was worrying. He was literally just there partying with the rest of the guests. He did not spend his time thinking about, oh, no, I don't have, I don't have any wine. What am I going to do? No, he knew that, that someone was on it, and so he left it. He went back to his party. He went to, I mean, it's not written, but I, that's like, there is, there is no emphasis there that he was running around worried. I'm sure if he was, he would have put it there because God's message is don't worry. So I'm sure there was some way that if that was the case, but it's not mentioned. So I like to see the, see the party as 
him just sitting there having a party, enjoying his guests, socializing, everything like that. They've brought over extra wine. He's like, yep, that's great. Awesome. Keep going. Because we really need to focus on what we're thinking during the time. We can't worry about the problem. When I was facing this massive problem of my wife, my unborn child in, in surgery, I didn't worry about it because there was nothing I could do about it. I'd done all that I could do. I focused on, well, I asked the right questions, we got the advice and I got in a hospital and I paid the bills. That's my part done. I can't sit there and worry. You know what they say uh, in the Bible, it says that um, who can add another hour to your day by worrying? There's nothing more I could do and there's nothing more you can do. But it's really important that we focus on our thinking. You know, I know what you, I know, I know what's what you think is like, Oh, so I just have positive thoughts. No, it's not positive thoughts. It's not my wife isn't in hospital. No, no, we need to acknowledge the problem, but also acknowledge that we have done everything that we can. There's this, there's this story in the Bible where, where Jesus is telling a, a parable about a, 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 someone sowing seed, right? And so they're, they're sowing seed and some of that so, seed throw, lands on good soil and some lands on rock and some lands in the thorns. And, and there's this verse that really jumped out at me and I never actually realised this part of that verse. I've, I've preached on this passage so many times and this parable so many times. But I read this verse and I felt that it might help you right now. Matthew 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the wisdom, making it unfruitful. I'm sharing a message from God. I'm sharing a good word that could help you. If after this, you go back to worrying about how you're going to pay for your bills. If you go back to worrying about what's going to happen next and worrying about getting sick and worrying about like worrying whatever the crisis is, those thoughts will take over. You've got some good thoughts in there that I believe that I've invested some good thoughts into you. And then you've got these negative thoughts. And if you allow these to overtake, then they're just going to overtake and consume because we've only got so much space and so many thoughts in our mind. And so if we're focusing on those negative thoughts, then they're going to overcome the good thoughts. But I want to be really, really super practical about this. Really super practical. Because I'm not saying don't have worry. You can worry. You can worry about those things. But when you worry about them, cast those anxieties on God because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties, cast those worries. It's okay to have, like, don't think, oh, I need, I need to have positive thoughts, I need to have positive thoughts. Like, no, when you have anxiety, stress, worry, negative thoughts come in, you can cast that on to God because he does care about them. He cares about them. Remember when I said at the start how we pray? Say, God, this is the problem. And that's you giving him your worry. And 
we have to leave it at that. We, we can't keep worrying about it because then that means we're not having faith that God is doing something about it. We need to mention it to him and cast our worries. So let me share something with you, actually. Um, let me see where I've got that. I've got this in the next one. Okay. So have you ever heard of a psalm of lament? And this is where I wanted to encourage you that it's okay for you to worry, right? But we can't hold on to it. Psalm 13, it's a psalm of lament. It says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Or how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer me, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. That's pretty negative, right? It's, it's pretty bad. Like he's talking to God, so it's, it's his prayer, right? And I believe that this actually really represents that it's okay for us to have these thoughts, right? And we need to communicate them to God. But here's the great thing about Psalms of Lament. That's not the whole chapter. Let me show you the rest of the chapter. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. You know, it's really important for us. Yes, when we have those negative thoughts, we need, yes, it's okay that we have them, but we need to transform them into positive thoughts. Into, into praises of God. So how can we do that? How can we do that? There are actually a few different strategies in which I use personally to be really practical because I don't want to just link this and say, just think positively because there's a lot more to it. There's a practical element. And so there's three things that I want to help you or give you to get your mind thinking on the right things. And the first is what I call faith scripture. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. He says meditate on it day and night. There's a reason why he says we, need, we can't just read the Bible or read a verse and then leave it. We need to keep reminding ourselves One strategy that I have is I have faith scriptures. Actually, they're all in my bathroom. My wife had written them out on pretty paper and had laminated them and they're stuck all out over our bathroom so that when I'm getting ready in the morning, you know, I've been facing some challenges with my health. We've got a bad back and, and, uh, and it's been playing up a little bit lately. So rather than me sitting there focusing on, oh, I've got a bad back, why won't God heal me? Why all this? No, I have all these scriptures that are all over my window or all over my mirrors and my shower screens that are, that are like, the Lord will restore my, my health. You know, like the, the, my God will, will get, renew my youth like the eagle. And, and, like he, and like all these scriptures that I've got there that I read every day as I'm brushing my teeth, as I'm shaving, I'm looking at myself where I'm shaving so I don't cut myself, but I'm also reading the verses. I encourage you, get into the scriptures so that they can remind you. You can fill your mind with those thoughts so that the good thoughts can take over the bad thoughts because that's what you're going to concentrate on. But 
Just citing positive scriptures is not enough because there, there needs to be a congruency with reality and your thoughts. Otherwise, your thoughts will then revert back to negative things because you're just saying, this is awesome, this is awesome, but in reality, it's not. And so what I encourage you to do is alongside of your faith scriptures is have faith evidence. Psalm 77 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. We need to remember all the times that God has done something for us, whether they be recent or past. We read those scriptures, but when I read those scriptures, I always say, yes, because I remember when I, had, when I was having nerve pain in my back and you healed me of the nerve pain. Now I've just got tightness. I, 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 was, I was struggling with my finances and you brought this money in miraculously, right? That we need to be backing up those scriptures with evidence of times that God has actually moved in our life. We need to remind ourselves of this daily and meditate on it. Not just write to do scriptures, but back it up with the evidence that you have experienced. And if it's something that you haven't experienced yet, then why don't you just use someone else's faith evidence, someone you know, ask around, ask Dr. Rod, ask, ask anyone in, like in your church that you know that, that has had a, a, a major miracle and ask them to share the story with you because then you can have the evidence that God does move. And the third thing is faith worship. We need to go into battle with worship every day, more so when we are facing a crisis. You know, in First Chronicles uh, 20, Jehoshaphat was actually, um, was actually uh, uh, going into battle and they'll, they'll be, they're under attack. And Jehoshaphat then turned around and the whole, the whole village, the whole, the whole community stopped and started worshiping and praising God. And then when they went into battle, he said, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. There is power in worship. During those tough times, what are you worshiping? I have a couple of worship songs that, that I go to when I'm facing a crisis. I'll crank them up. I mean, if you know anything, you know I love, I love to sing and worship loud. And that's why I, I love, that's why I love a, a loud stereo because to sort of drown out my bad singing. But I love to worship loud. I'll chuck my headphones in. I'll crank it up. Why? Because I find that the louder I listen to that, the louder I, I sing, the more I can actually drown out those negative thoughts. As soon as I stop, if I try to sit there and just quietly listen to worship music, those negative thoughts creep back in. And so when I worship, I worship strong. I worship loud. And I've got a couple of those songs that I will always listen to that are very repetitive, very simple words, but they speak directly to my situation. Like Waymaker, you know, he's a Waymaker, he's a miracle, miracle worker. 
you know, he, like, I, I sing that over and over and over again. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. I sing that over and over and over again when I'm facing a challenge. And I find that it just breaks down all those negative thoughts. It gives me that positive thought. There's, there's actually a new song that was released a couple of days ago by Elevation Worship. You've got to check it out. Go to YouTube and search Rattle. Incredible song. I, ever since I heard it a couple of days ago, I've been listening to it nonstop. It's just talking about the dry bones. I can hear those dry bones rattling, talking about in, um, in Ezekiel where, where, he, where God turned dead dry bones into a full army that then was able to fight. I have done, like, I listen to those loud and I just sing, I sing like crazy so that I can overcome those negative thoughts. So I just, just in summary, I want to encourage you that to have faith, have faith in the face of a crisis. Yes, but plus, faith plus, plus what? Plus, let's pray. Plus, let's do. Plus, let's think on the right things. And that's how we can find ourselves facing a crisis and triumphing through a crisis because we're partnering with God. We are doing our part. God will do his part. He will get you through this. He will see you succeed at the end. He'll walk you through the valley of death. Like he, he, he will get you through this. But this is what we do on our march through these trials. So let me actually... Let me finish with prayer. I want to pray with you guys. And I just want you to take a moment. And I just want you, to, want you to think on that crisis that you're facing right now. Whether it be your finance, whether you lost your job, whether it be that your business has had to close down or you, you're struggling to pay staff or whatever it may be, why don't you just think of that for a moment? And God, whatever it is that they're thinking of, I declare that you... Move in that situation. I am approaching you with the authority that has been given to me and I declare that that situation will change, that your hand will be on that situation. Lord, I declare that you give them supernatural strategies of what they are to do in this time to keep themselves active. And Lord, I pray that your thoughts that you reveal new scriptures, that you speak to them, that you strengthen their faith as they worship, as they read scriptures, as they focus on what the right things to think of, I declare that your power will take over. And we all declare that in your mighty name. Amen.